I'm at the IHI National Forum on Quality Improvement in Healthcare, and I'm sitting down with Kevin Rooney, an anesthesiologist, professor of care improvement. His uh, hospital in uh, Scotland is the NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde Trust. Kevin, you were telling me that you were very interested in exploring and enhancing joy at work and higher purpose for people that you work with and people in the NHS. How did you come to the conclusion that was an important place to focus your energy? You are an anesthesiologist, yeah. um, so this is something you do in addition. Yeah, so in February of this year, 2017, uh, the Royal College of Anesthetists published a survey of over 2,000 trainee anesthesiologists uh, in the United Kingdom. And they found out that uh, over 80% of them fell at risk of burnout. Uh, and actually of these 80%, over 60% of them felt that actually that they had been physically or mentally uh, harmed as a result of, of, this, of the stress that they're under. Bearing in mind these are trainee doctors in their 20s and 30s. Over the course of the last 20 to 30 years, we try to make training better. We have a rather than 24, 48, or 72 hour shifts, we give them 12 hour shifts. We try to make the training more person centred. However, they still find our profession stressful. And as a result, uh, their increased chance of burnout uh, and increased chance of uh, moving from the profession. What I want to do is I want to bring back joy to work because I, I know that a, a, a healthy and productive workforce. Uh, it results in better patient outcome, less morbidity, less mortality, and shorter length of stay. In Scotland, we love the sports soccer, or football as I call it. And uh, the, the, one of the most successful Scottish soccer managers said that football is nothing without the fans. And I believe that healthcare and healthcare leadership is nothing without its staff. Our staff are our main priority. Uh, they, along with our patients, are the purpose of healthcare. If we make them happy at work, we will have better outcomes. Do you think that a focus on patients first or patient-centric care over the last couple of years has perhaps shined a light brightly on patient care, but at the expense of caring and nurturing staff and young doctors? I, I don't think that's what's happened. What I think has happened is we have, as a profession, become more person-centered because we realise uh, professionally the impact that has on our patients. When we used to ask just what matters to the patient, we're now figuring out we need to ask what matters to them. And the, the question I ask of, of our trainee doctors and the questions I ask when I visit hospitals is what keeps you up at night? Okay? Because it's leadership's, leadership's job to uh, remove these barriers or to, and to make it easy to do the right thing and difficult to do the wrong thing. So when people share with you what's on their mind or what troubles them, we might say here, pebbles in the shoes, yep. those sort of issues, um, are you empowered to then help in those areas or do you bring those issues to the attention of the people who need to get involved in them? So, so there's two things you can do. You can actually encourage the person to, 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 to do, sort out the problem themselves. Okay. Because I may not work in their clinical area. Uh, and I don't know the challenges. 
normally when you visit some place, you find out that the answer is in the room. Mm -hmm. So if I said, if I could empower you to fix it, ah. what would you do? That's the key question. If I could empower you to fix it, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And again, that puts the onus back in them. It says, actually, I can make this better. And it actually gives them greater self-esteem and actually makes them the master of their own destiny. And I think just has a positive effect. How do you maintain your own sense of excitement and purpose and joy? Uh, so I'm very fortunate. I'm a full-time clinician. I still do my practice of critical care and some anesthesiology. Uh, I have an academic role where my interests are patient safety, uh, joy at work, uh, and actually improving outcomes from sepsis and patient deterioration. And in, for, in addition to that, I get the opportunity to be faculty for IHI, where I can get to travel, I get to meet interesting people, I teach, and I learn as I teach. Mm -hmm. And I see pockets of excellence throughout the globe. So I think it's about keeping yourself fresh, and it's about joy at work. And I think the variety is key. Can, can, you, can you think of when you were with someone and did have that kind of conversation, like, you know, someone was saying, well, this is going badly, or mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore, mm -hmm. and you, you know, kind of turn it back to them and ask them, what, what could they do if they were empowered? Can you think, does anyone come to mind over the last six months, or is there like... So I, I, I've visited some people, and the, the answer is always, we're different, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, so if I visit HMC, mm -hmm. visit, I've worked with IHI mm -hmm. in Brazil, and uh, they, they say, oh, we can't do that, we're, yeah, you know, right. you're Scottish, we're right, different. Right, right. Uh, I say, you know, think big, start small, humorous, just mm -hmm. let's try out one patient, one nurse, one shift. It sounds like you have a story to illustrate some of the points you're, you've just made. So, as I said earlier, I'm fortunate enough to be IHI faculty. Uh, and uh, about three or four years ago, we, were st we started an improvement programme within, within the Middle East. And when I arrived there, we were there to reduce complications from ventilators. We were there to reduce catheter-related bloodstream infections. But as I moved around the ICU, the first thing I noticed was that uh, every patient was physically restrained. Oh. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't be allowed to do that in the United Kingdom. Uh, that would end up in me going to prison. Uh, so I, I, I asked, I said, I'm curious as why you need to do this. And they said, well, you know, we're different over here. We have a large uh, migrant population, people from all over the world, and it's, they waken up sedated and they're agitated, so they're at risk of harming themselves. So the, the restraint was in the, the person's best interest. But I felt, well, have you ever tried it, taking the restraint off? They said, oh, no, no, we're different, Kevin, you don't understand. And I said, well, actually, humour me, okay. Uh, let's kind of think big that we, we feel that I would not want to be restrained, and restraint is generally a bad thing. But how could we maybe move on from that? So I said, why don't we take one patient, one nurse in this afternoon, and they're restrained with all four limbs, let's just take one arm, loosen up one arm. Start and small. Start small. And what we saw was, you know, the ceiling didn't crash in. The patient didn't extubate themselves. The patient didn't pull out the lights. And actually, what happened over the course of the next six months is we did this across every ICU. So much so, by the time we'd finished the, the, the programme, that physical restraint uh, had become a thing of the past. It had been consigned to the history books. So it's one of an achievement I feel that I have assisted teams deliver 
that is person-centered and certainly gave me joy at work. That's terrific. I can see where there's a very gratifying in six months to make that kind of radical change. Terrific. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, thank you, Meiji.